Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 25 of the Clappercast. I'm Sean. And I'm Burke. And uh, we're now hitting about the 10-game mark for most teams in the NHL. Um, how are your thoughts so far in the season? It's been it's been quite a ride. Uh, week three of the season. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to get some more consistency in which teams look impressive and which teams don't. <clears throat> the New Jersey Devils. Um, and it's, it's, it's fun. It's really good to have hockey back, consistent you know, night after night, have a game on, you know, there's, there's definitely some teams I got my eye on and I'm already starting to wonder about some of my predictions, <laughs> um, primarily Dallas. Yes. That is a key one. Um, Anyone you want to, want to talk about Dallas right off the bat here? Yeah, let's go right in. That's a good segue. Yeah. So they're off to their worst start in club history. So not the greatest start for the team that I picked to, to go all the way, but uh, yeah, so they're two, seven and one right now. They're currently playing the Ottawa Senators tonight. They're winning that game right now, so they could could improve to three seven and one. But that's still not a great first eleven games of the year. No, no. And there's really no reason. Well, I mean, I can I can see one big reason right now. Looking at their their scoring lists, where you've got Tyler Sagan with five points in ten games, Radulov with four in ten games, Jamie Ben with four in ten games. Yeah, I guess what I meant was there's no real excuse. <laughs> like excuse, there's nobody gotcha. nobody important is injured. I mean, Corey Pear missed the first eight games, I think. But um, as far as importance to that team goes, there's nobody really super important out. You know, Ben no, Bishop no, has no been playing. Yeah, their top line has been underperforming. Yeah, I don't know. They're they're not doing so hot. Yeah, so like their their leading scorer is Rupe Hints with six goals and one assist. Which is kind of an odd one to see at the top of a top of a team scoring list. Yeah, that's definitely a stat line you'd look to see on Tyler Sagan, not Rupe Hints. No, no, not at all. <laughs> no, no shade on Hints. Uh, I love that guy. But I'm going to point out that all three of their big guns, Sagan, Radulov, and Ben, are shooting at very, very low shooting percentages right now. Okay. But Sagan's got 7.1. Radulov's 5.5. Ben's 4.8. Um, that is quite a bit lower than what I would expect to be their career average, somewhere probably in the 12 to 15%, especially for major scores like uh, Sagan and Radulov. So this could be a case of some, you know, crappy luck to start the year, you know? Yeah, hasn't Tyler Sagan been on the highest post hits in the league? Am I remembering that correctly? I think there was a time last season where he was definitely up there for the amount of... Uh shots off the pipe might be mistaken but i'm that pretty sure he be. has a lot of shots that go off the pipes and that doesn't count as a shot so maybe he's still doing that um i always thought that was kind of dumb how shots that go off the iron aren't counted because it messes up the stats because there's no real save there right right but uh anyway they've they've they won their last game 4-3 against minnesota um cory perry actually has improved the team um, he made his debut a couple games ago, and he's already got three points in three games. So he's he's doing pretty good. Um, it was kind of a it's question a big, mark. It's always big to was... get a Saint back on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Saint Perry. Um, he's he's going to be fitting into that role that um, the the French phenom himself. Um, what's his name? Antoine uh, Roussel. Yeah, Antoine Roussel left a pretty big hole there when he left for Vancouver. Um, yeah, so no. I think Perry can fill those boots up absolutely so so yeah i mean they're they're kind of trending up um if they win this game against ottawa tonight um that'll be a two-game win streak so 
that could yeah, set them somewhere. right on the path to 500. And I also wanted to mention that there was a pretty big tornado that went through Dallas. So um, yeah. hoping everybody out there is safe. Um, Tyler Sagan, um, people were worried because his house got hit by it, but it was actually his house that was up for sale that, that got hit. So he has another one in Dallas that, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, ben Bishop had his house's roof taken off, I believe. Um, I believe in the so, yeah. Night, so it was a bit shaken up. Him and his family actually stayed the night at Jamie Ben's house um, overnight. Yeah. And he's backing up tonight because he missed the morning skate. And yeah, so yeah. that was a bit bit scary. So hopefully everybody in Dallas is all right. Um, but uh, yeah, not, not a great start for them. No, and luckily, I mean, the Central hasn't been particularly strong. So they they're only a few points back of a lot of their, of a few closest opponents. So if they win, you know, two or three games in the next little bit here, they could be right back in at least a wild card race. Um, like they're, they're currently four points back of Nashville for the third divisional spot, which isn't even bad at all. No, no, definitely not. Um, one, one surprising team um, is the Jets. How? Yes. <laughs> they're, Very. I guess they've played a little bit more games than, than some of the other teams, but you know, I, I wouldn't have thought that they would have been 500 right now. I would have thought they would have been where the stars were. So it's it's kind of impressive to see them hanging on a bit. Yeah, I wouldn't have put them as far down as Dallas. I would have had them more in wild card just below that. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's not going to be on the same amount of points anyways. But it's still the fact that they're able to capitalize on what is turning out to be a weaker central division to start the season. And mm-hmm. they're hanging out in a playoff spot despite having potentially the most goals against in the league about right now, <laughs> which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another Western conference team that has oh, Toronto's had... given up. The most. Pardon me? Toronto has given up the most goals in the league. Ooh, ouch. Um, so yeah, yeah. Another team in the West that struggled early was the San Jose Sharks and they've, they've looked to kind of righted the ship a little bit. A little bit. They've gone three and one in their last uh, their, their last four, so that's a much better start than yeah, zero so, four. So they're three five and zero right now. Um, like I said, not the greatest start, but um, they're, they're starting to get a bit more scoring going on. Um, I did want to mention Evander Kane got a, a hat trick in the first period. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, we kind of we kind of talked about the impact of losing him to start the season would have on a team, and it seems like right when he came back, they turned it around a little bit and started getting more involved in the games, especially with with Kane himself having that hat trick, like you said. Right. And yeah, they're so they're sitting in the, the depths of the Pacific division right now with the Kings. Um, yep. But I think they have the potential to, to turn it around and uh, they added Marlowe to the team. So, um, you know, they got a bit more, another veteran presence that can help them out out of a tough time. Um, yeah. So um, I did want to talk about Buffalo um, because they're, kind of on the flip side of this they're at a surprisingly hot start to the season um, Very. and carter hutton was named second star of the week or third third star of the week um he had back-to-back shutouts um and he one of them was a 47 save shutout which sets a franchise regular season record for most saves in a in a shutout um, so that's 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 pretty impressive for a team that had Dominic Hasek on the team. Um, Hutton's five zero and zero so far. 
Yeah, so what an amazing start to the year for Hutton. Um, he's putting up the numbers that he did that one year in St. Louis. He had a really, really good season where he only played like 30 to 40 games, but he put up amazing numbers, and that's when he that's right was right before he went to Buffalo. So he's kind of finding that groove again, I think, and uh, it seems like the team in front of him is performing well enough to allow him to do that as well. With some yeah. major improvements defensively, especially, you know, you've got Delene developing. Uh, Ristolainen seems to have turned his game around. He's even rescinded his trade request. Right. That was uh, um, given over the over the offseason. Um, got guys Colin like Henry Miller. Are you? And, yeah, Colin Miller, too. Yeah, so Hutton's got a 1.4 goals against average and a 9.53 save percentage, which is absolutely insane. But, I mean, that is only five games, so small sample size. That'll that'll definitely drop. Um, but it's, it's a definitely an impressive start. Um, and they're actually a pretty fun team to watch right now. I don't know if you've been watching any of their games. but um, Just a little bit. They're 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 quick puck-moving team. Um, they're, they're really this fun. This is... This is exactly what I expected with uh, Ralph Kruger coach team where he kind of, he kind of emphasizes his focus on that youthful energy and kind of lets these younger players do what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a lot more of the, the, I don't say less structured play, but there's more, more focus on individual skill sets and letting the players loose in a sense. So they're more free to kind of do, do their thing, and we saw it. Um, he did the same thing at Edmonton with that one season there, um, where we saw the best showing that the team had for over a decade, basically. And that was because all these young players could just kind of go and have a little bit more freedom to do what they wanted, rather than be rather than be kind of roped and stuck into a very rigid system like you get with a lot of the old school coaches. Right, kind of play their game a bit. Yeah, um, it's it, they are fun to watch. You know, they've got Olafson, who's a uh, rookie coming in. He's playing with Eichel and um, Sam Reinhardt, I think, and he's actually the oldest guy on that line. So <laughs> it's kind of funny that kind the of funny. rookie is the the oldest guy. Um, but uh, I did want to mention that uh, Hutton. So he's got that regular season shutout record, forty seven, but. Hasek holds the Sabres playoff record with a 70 save shutout, um, which is when he had that 1994 goalie duel with rookie Martin Brodeur. Um, and Brodeur had 49 saves, and it was a one goal game. So that's just, that's that, those, are, just... those numbers are just insane. Like every <laughs> time I hear about Dominic Hasek, it's some absolutely absurd stat or, or some amazing save he made at one point. And it's just like this guy was just a living highlight reel. Yeah, there are some people who argue that he is like one of the like the greatest of all time just because of his athleticism. No, um, I I firmly believe that in terms of being a goalie, Hashik is the best of all time. Yeah, he's quite unreal. Some yeah. of the stuff he can he pulled off where it's just nobody else could do that. <laughs> well, I mean, look at because he won. Did he win the Hart Trophy? Oh, probably. I'm trying to think of the two. He had like two amazing seasons in the 90s, I want to say, that he basically just carried the Sabres the entire year. <laughs> yep, I believe it. <laughs> um, yeah, he uh, won the Hart Trophy in 97 and 98. Uh, so both on the Sabres? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he yeah there the, would have been seasons where he's putting up a 938-939 save percentage. God damn it. That's insene. In the 90s. Yeah. Like, when, like, 900 was good. 
Yeah. Um, another guy who won uh, one of the stars of the week was John Carlson. Uh, I think he got. I can't first believe he's still star. leading the league in scoring. Let's see. Was he first or second? Second. He is leading the league in scoring. Um, I, he, I'm I'm astounded. He is the third defenseman in NHL history to record 18 points in the team's first 10 games. The other two are Bobby Orr and Paul Coffey, correct? Yes. That's a pretty good company to be in. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What's uh you you watch more of the Caps than me, but like what's kind of doing this for him this year? Why is like what's with the breakout stretch here? I haven't actually been able to watch them too much so far this season, um, but what I have watched is just he's actually getting quite a bit more looks on the power play. Um, he's he's feeding Ovechkin like he has been, getting a lot of assists. Yeah, three goals, fifteen assists. So that would that would be that. Yeah, he um, he works the right point on the power play. So um, the last few seasons, he's really been developing into. Um, kind of the the mirror to Ovechkin. So the okay. Capitals will rotate Carlson and Ovechkin around on those points, um, which can provide either one of them more looks. Um, so it's they've really been working on that a lot. And then Carlson's got a bomb, so he can shoot it at the net and someone can get a tip on it, um, which is how he's been getting quite a few of his points. Um, so yeah, he's uh, he's impressive. And his uh, yes. D partner, Michael Kempney, has come back. Um, so I think he's going to keep it up because Kempney kind of covers up for Carlson's defensive woes a little bit. Yeah, that's a that's always a great pairing when you can get the the offensive mind and the defensive mind together, and they just work together like uh, Carlson and Kempney can. Yeah, and uh, I'm a firm believer that if Kempney was in the lineup last season against Carolina, that the Caps would have won. That's that's how much I think he's important to the, the team. Um, he's an, a remarkable pickup that that was instrumental in that cup win and he's just so good on that back end he's so calm under any sort of pressure and he can skate it or pass it he's such a good defenseman having him in the lineup has been really great so far i mean he got a goal in his first game back which is really surprising because that's not really the the way he plays but he's not, he's not yeah he's not like a goal scorer type no but uh, <laughs> what a nice return though right yeah yeah it's, i know everybody was fired up to have him back um so uh yeah um let's move along i know you wanted to talk about the oilers yeah so um right up there with buffalo the oilers have had a very very hot start to the season um they are now 7-1-1 and which is it's actually basically mirroring their start from 16-17 when they made that playoff run there um okay. and a lot of their their um underlying numbers their advanced stats are actually fairly similar um, with the exception of special teams, because their power play is really good and their penalty kill is in phenomenal to start the year. Um, <laughs> they're sitting they're sitting around ninety percent right now, which wow. from a team that spent the last two seasons in the mid seventies at the highest. Yeah, they were um, league it's worst, quite right? a yeah, yeah, they had that one season where they were about fifty percent on the penalty kill at home, and this was in like Ugh. March. Gross. So now they're sitting at ninety percent, which is much much more um much less stressful to watch and it's also saving them a couple of goals a game when you think about oh, it if they're if they're able to score on the power play more than once a week and they aren't giving up a penalty uh, shorthanded goal every game 
they're really they're able to stay in games way more, and that shows in their goal differential. They're nine games in, and they've only given up 21 goals, which is yeah. about a goal per game improvement over last year. That's remarkable. So we've got that going on, but I don't want to get optimistic too quickly because there's the major, major trend that they still haven't addressed, that the team is absolutely relying on McDavid and Dreisaitl for everything. Mm-hmm. Once again this season, they have one goal from a forward who is not regularly playing on the top lines, basically. That's yeah. all of their offenses still contributed by McDavid and Tricidal, who are still playing 23, 24 minutes a night, and they're still double-shifting on the third and fourth lines. They're playing in all situations, and they can't keep that up over the year. How much offense has been... I mean, James Neal has obviously been the story, um, but he's has he been playing with McDavid mostly, or with uh, Nugent Hopkins? More so with Nugent Hopkins, but a lot of his production has been on the power play, which is with McDavid. I mean, that's that can be an issue. Um, but I mean, we saw a team like Colorado last year sneak into playoffs and do some surprising things with basically one line. So very true. I mean, if they stay healthy and keep up the point production, I mean, what they're doing now is is not sustainable because they're on pace for what like 500 points or something. <laughs> um, but uh, just under just under two per game, so we're looking at about 130, 140 point pace. Yeah. So I mean, that's probably not going to happen i would love to see that happen but that'd um, be cool james neal is also shooting his per- shooting percentage is just what like it was it was something stupid like 40 percent for it's a now while. it's now gone down to 31 because <laughs> he hasn't scored he hasn't had another four goal game so he hasn't uh jacked oh, what, a, what a loser trade him i know yeah um so yeah I, I hear you on that that it's always tough to watch a team and just you know Let's just wait for the first line to go out again. Um, so at least they have a little bit extra. Well, you don't even have to wait somewhere. for the first line. You have to wait for the fourth line when he throws out McDavid with the other two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 not great. But do you? Yeah. I mean, I I know you said you don't want to get optimistic too much, but do you see that the like systems have been working a bit better, like the breakout and yes. all that too? Yes. Yeah, so the main one that uh, we've talked about already is the that they're actually able to break out and they're actually able to move as a unit. So, um, that's helped immensely with getting the puck out of the zone and actually clearing the zone once in a while and generating some different type of offense instead of just David and Dreisaitl on the rush. Um, okay. In the offensive zone, and especially on the power play, the team is quite a bit more mobile. They're doing less of the thing that they used to do where everyone just kind of stood in their one little spot and they pass the puck around back and forth for a little bit. Um, There's actually a little bit of mobility. You've got defensemen joining up and pinching and swapping with the wingers constantly and players taking the puck behind the net and resetting. There's, there's a lot more movement going on and that's kind of, that's a nice thing to see because they're going to find a way to generate offense in the zone once in a while, which is just a nice change of pace for them. And as they're doing that and holding the puck in the offensive zone, obviously the puck's not going to be in their own zone. So they're not getting hemmed in defensively as much. Right. I know that from the Capitals watching their power play a lot is that when they started doing that thing we mentioned with uh, Ovechkin and Carlson rotating at the points, you know, having that movement is so beneficial because it messes up defenders for just that split second when they think is that my guy is that not my guy and that can allow you to get a pass you know open up a seam and make it move a pass across or get a shooting lane open 
Um, so. Especially when you have fast guys like McDavid and stronger guys like Drysaddle, where they can they can pull off a really quick swap, but they can also either get around the defender or they can set up a little pick right. to help open up a little bit of space for the guy who's taking the puck to either pass or shoot or whatever. One one more thing about the Oilers is um, I've been watching quite a bit of their games because I have Drysaddle and Nurse on my fantasy team. Um, not a big deal, but um, <laughs> um, is that Ethan Bear? has looked solid yep he has been a major success story for the season so far and this isn't just the fact that he's i mean he's three points in nine games isn't too bad for a rookie defenseman but what's most impressive is his puck control and his poise yeah that he's not rushing to make weird decisions like he did in his debut a couple seasons ago he's actually really really calm with the puck he's making smart passes smart shot decisions um one in particular that stands out to me from a couple of games back is when he got the puck on a point, he faked a wrist shot, got the defender to bite, or no, he faked a slap shot, got the defender to bite, and then just went a couple feet around him, wide open, um, used the screen in front, and took a wrist shot and scored from the point. And it's just little little things like that are are great. And uh, also not a big deal, but I uh, I called him out as a potential breakout season before we <laughs> before the season started. Nice. So I was pretty hopeful on him, and I'm uh, I'm really happy to see him succeeding. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool story because he's kind of one of those those homegrown guys that. Yeah. I mean, Edmonton has kind of had a bad rap for throwing guys in a little early, but it's, it's pretty cool to see someone who's you know had the time to develop, especially on on the blue line, where it takes guys a bit longer. Definitely. Um, and uh, and for me, it's just cool because. He ha- he's a First Nations guy, uh, or has a First Nations heritage, so it's cool to see that someone like him enter the league because there's so many barriers to entry um, for for kids growing up on the prairies, you know, in First Nations communities, and it's it's really exciting to have um, more diversity in the league. Yeah, it's, it's and, always uh, a good thing. Just because I end up following more Oilers stuff on social media, um, I see the work he's already doing in the community and with with the First Nations communities around the prairies in terms of outreach and support and um, visibility and all that. So That's he's, awesome. he's putting a lot of work off the ice too. And the more, the more attention he gets to the NHL level, the more, um, the more of a fan base he'll get for himself. And that's just going to be great for, for the growth of hockey within different communities and cultures within Canada. Is he an Alberta guy or is he a Saskatchewan guy? I can't remember. Saskatchewan. Okay. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's cool too. Um I have a lot of family in Saskatchewan and I um I know there's a lot of like cool tournaments um that a lot of First Nations communities put on um for hockey and it's like intertribal tournaments and stuff like that. So okay. it's just cool to have someone who's probably played in those to uh to make it to the show. Um, Definitely. Yeah. So I mean I've I've really noticed him like every game, like just like holding the puck in the line at the blue line and, and breakout mm-hmm. passes and stuff. He's just looked really solid. Um, yeah. which is which is I fun. was I was kinda worried that um because because he's another sort of uh two way puck mover offensive type defenseman, that he was going to find himself um kind of passed in the depth chart by Evan Bouchard. Mm-hmm. But um, now that he's doing what he's doing, he's kind of solidifying himself a place on the roster full time that I would see him in less as trade bait now. Let's move on. Um, and another 
uh, young player, Jack Hughes, got his first goal, first NHL goal against the Vancouver Canucks. It oh, was yeah. a game winner. It was the only goal in that game. Um, so that's just pretty exciting that he, he uh, scored against his brother's team. Yeah. Very. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Finally. So, well, we say finally, but it was only like, what, seven games? It's not too bad. <laughs> what a scrub. It took him a whole <laughs> seven games to score in the NHL. Bust. So uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, he had an assist earlier in the week that he got, um, but finally finally got that uh, first goal, which must feel nice. And he's going to be able to rub that in his brother's face for a long time. Oh, yeah. I can't wait for for the last Hughes brother to come and uh, score his goal against Quinn as well. <laughs> yeah, I want that to happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, that must feel nice, especially with the struggles that New Jersey has, has had so far. They've uh, been struggled. I know um, we mentioned it a while ago that Gusev was playing on the fourth line. Um, Hughes was actually playing on the third line. So um, okay. I don't know how much ice time per game he was getting, but he wasn't getting a lot of a lot of looks out there. No, and a guy like him, because you know you watch his you watch his game, and he's very um, Patrick esque with the way he controls the puck and uses the entire zone to do whatever he does. Mm-hmm. And a uh, guy like him on the third line is not really going to be too much, too much productive. Yeah, and uh, Nico Hishier has been out, so um, that's created an opening um, within the top six. So I think he might might be getting a bit more opportunity now. Yeah. Um, and uh, speaking of Nico Hishier, he signed a uh, hefty little contract. Uh, I don't have the details, uh, but seven year of seven point two five million per, I believe. Thank you. Yeah, so not a not a bad chunk of change. Um, he's he's definitely excelled in, in New Jersey so far. Um, I think he's their number one or number two center. So I'd put him as number one. Yeah. So pretty nice. Um, I think he's out right now with uh, upper body injury. I'm not not hundred percent on that, but uh, he is out. Um, so they'll they'll want him back as soon as possible. To, to help contribute another guy who's out right now is john Tavares. um he broke his finger yeah that was uh he got i think he got slashed or was it a puck i don't i think he blocked someone's shot or something um but it was kind of funny because he scored a goal after that happened <laughs> so um I don't yeah know. so he just kind of went and you know <laughs> scored a goal with a broken finger no big deal yeah, no big deal. What a it's, hockey guy right there. Yeah, John Tavares, hockey guy confirmed. <laughs> captain captain material, right? Right there, right there, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's been out. Uh, I think his timeline was about two weeks minimum, um, and then he'll be reevaluated. Um, so uh, me and you kind of texted about this. We texted about this a little bit because uh, I have Tavares on my fantasy team, and he has not been put on the IR by the Leafs. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, so the Leafs, first off, they don't have any cap space to actually call anybody up. Um, and they already had two healthy scratches on the roster, so there is, no, there is literally no benefit to, put it, to putting Tavares on the IR if he's only going to be out for two weeks. Yeah, so they've, they've really screwed me over because I have Tavares, and he's taking up a spot on my lineup, and he's obviously not a guy I want to get rid of, so I just have to suck it up and <laughs> watch my opponents play more games than me per week. 
Yeah, so Kyle Dubas, if you're listening, um, just put, put him on the IR, IR already. For no reason. <laughs> Let's do it. Really, really Think of the fantasy that. teams, Kyle. Yeah, come on, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that kind of sucks, though, for the Leafs. Um, you know, he he was doing really well, and to have him sit on sit in the press box with a broken finger sucks. Absolutely. At least their offense hasn't been struggling too bad. It's their defense they have to worry about, but... Um... It's still, it's always hard when you've got your, probably your best forward all around anyways, um, sitting in the press box. Yeah. Yeah, that's rough. I have got, I have got a couple more things I want to go over. Um, first off, Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Carter Hart had a couple, couple rough outings. Um, he got pulled against the Oilers. I think he let in what, like four? Yeah, first. I think he got pulled after the fourth. After the fourth. Yeah, that was that was not so great. Um, and then he had another game a couple nights ago, I think, where he also let in quite a few. Um, so back to back rough ones for him, but uh, I think he can shake it off. Um, Brian Elliott is their backup, so you know yeah. he's not going to be stealing that job anytime soon. I don't think. Probably. I think. I mean, the Flyers have also kind of started a bit sluggish as well. So you know, part of it's on. Part of it's on um, on Hart, but part of it's just the team in front of him hasn't been quite up to snuff. Yeah, there's a lot of new guys there. New coaches, new players. How many new guys do they even have? They've got Kevin Hayes, they've got Matt Niskanen, they've got Braun. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that looks. Yeah, and then there's a handful lots. of uh, handful of rookies. Chris Stewart, Tyler, Tyler Pitlick, or another couple that came. Mm-hmm. Yep, so, you know, everybody's got to learn the new systems and how each and also, other guys play. Even though I think they're going to turn it around and do much better by the end of the season, I don't like any of their coaches, and I don't think any of them are particularly <laughs> great. <laughs> so I just I feel like the mix of Alan Vigneault, Mike Yo, and Michelle Terrien as your coaching staff is going to be a bit of, a bit troublesome. It's a weird mix. It's a weird mix. All all your head coaches belong to us, basically, and it's like all of these head coaches that like don't seem to really get a job anywhere else or just brought into Philly at once. Yeah. I, I don't mind Vino. I think he's a good coach. Um, but it's weird to have Tarian and Yo as assistants. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe they, they work better in that um, smaller capacity role. Maybe. Um, the last thing I got on my list here is Drew Doughty and Matthew Kachuk are back at it. And it's fun to watch. <laughs> it is. It's it, we don't get a lot of these like individual rivalries like that, where the guys are just constantly on each other's case like that. But uh, Doughty and Kachuk have one now, and it's it's really funny. <laughs> Especially when Doughty was saying like, you know, we want to put that all behind us, and then the next game they just <laughs> they just go right back at it. Oh yeah, and they start basically a nice football brawl on the on the end boards there. Yeah, they started like a dog pile. <laughs> pretty. pretty oh, that was old the school. weirdest one ever. Yeah, so it was so like, that, that was but Doughty kind of drove Kachuk into the boards and hit him. And then Kachuk just grabbed onto Doughty's legs, just like holding him. And then that drug Doughty down. And then Giordano came in and like jumped into it and tackled <laughs> somebody else. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty funny. Um, yeah, Doughty's had a interesting start to the year um, as far as like sound bites go, because he also had that quote where, um, he was talking about Vancouver because Vancouver just fucking dominated them. Um, he said teams like that shouldn't be beating us. It's like, okay, Drew, you're not exactly on a great team anymore. 
like it's like drew you guys are like bottom of the division buddy Bucks are actually suck ahead in of you hockey. yeah yeah <laughs> um so it's kind of funny to have to see him i know a team's not gonna like a, a guy's not gonna straight up admit we are we're on a shitty team um he's competitive enough to want to win every game but mm-hmm. it's just kind of like does he have the self-awareness to realize that they're not a very competitive team right now um i don't know um i mean while it's, we're talking yeah, about it's the, hard to say it's cool to see kovalchuk back in a scoring position you know he's not a fourth line grinder anymore <laughs> but uh best best place ever for him yeah now, he actually in that game against calgary he kind of looked back to form he had one yeah. one goal in particular that was just an absolute ovechkin rocket yeah i saw that one that was nice um yeah um you know he's he's, he's still like a 36 i think so I think he's something like that he probably doesn't have the same legs that he used to have but he's still a good shooter and if he can change he his can game, still be effective in a in a particular role power play guy if they keep using him like that they'll have some success but they're definitely not going to be a, a playoff team in, in my mind no I, I can't see that happening not with the way not especially not with the way that jonathan quick started the season no um his stat line was very cartoonish he had like a six <laughs> goals against that six point something goals against average and like a 750 or 798 or save percentage yeah it was rough it's been rough so, for him so far. Yeah, he, he had a much better game against Calgary, but that's going to take a little while to correct. Yeah, I haven't watched enough of their games to know if that's on him or if it's on like the the defense in front of him or a bit of both. It's got to be As a combination probably, of everything. Probably a bit of both. Um, the, the the roster they're icing isn't particularly strong, but Quick himself is also getting older, and he's kind of. I think he's kind of struggled the last couple seasons with injuries, and he might not have the same athleticism and flexibility he once had. Okay, yeah, I get that, because he has been a very flexible athletic goalie before. Yeah, um, yeah. that was his, that was a strong suit. Saves. Um, and if you can't, that's got to take a toll on you, you know? So, yeah, um, that's that's everything I had on my list. Is there anything that you wanted to go over, Sean, that uh, we haven't covered already? Um, one quick uh, one quick note for Quinn Hughes, who we have kind of been a bit hard on his eye on him eye test wise because he does not look to be very good defensively, and he's still really really weak when he's uh, trying to battle with puck carriers. But um, we've now seen we've now got about a ten game sample size for him, or I guess eight game sample size, and some of his underlying possession numbers are indicating that he could be just an incredibly valuable offensive defenseman who is exceptional at driving the play and creating scoring chances. Um, like he's sitting with like a 58.5% Corsi four percentage. So, <laughs> and I, and I, I'm assuming these are corrected stats where they're getting, uh, he's getting 48% offensive zone starts and 52% defensive zone starts. So, the fact that he's kind of getting about an you know an even an even amount of offensive defensive zone starts, but his possession numbers are so much higher, is just a testament to how well he's creating plays and getting the puck out of the zone and up the ice and into the offensive zone and doing stuff in the offensive zone with the puck. Um, he's got the highest numbers in those categories on the Canucks, so it's clearly something he's doing rather than his defensive partner. 
though a presence like Alexander Edler beside him would help with the uh, coverage defensively. Right. But it's still, he might not be a defensive defenseman, and he might be a type uh, similar to like an Eric Carlson, where he's okay defensively, but he's much better when he's got the puck and he's creating the plays rather than defending it. And it's just going to be beneficial to have him with a defensive-minded defenseman. Yeah, that's always been the mark against Carlson is his defensive game. He's never been like bad, like you pointed out, but he's he's had his struggles at times, and um, his offense can definitely overcome that deficiency in his game. So um, I think Hughes is definitely on that trajectory. I think he's a bit smaller than Carlson. Um, yes. So where Carlson is big enough to play the body at times. Um, I'm not sure if Hughes will be able to do that. <laughs> that uh, game against Edmonton where he just got ragdolled by Dreisaitl <laughs> comes to my mind. Um, yes, yes, but, that's that's uh, the one I'm thinking of too. <laughs> but, um, I mean, with his positioning and his his uh, his hockey IQ, that, that could definitely overcome you know, being a bit smaller. Of a defense, a lot, a lot, um, which is kind of the way the league is going. Um, you know, there's with the, there's the speed and the brains over Braun. Yeah, yeah. So he's looked sharp um, for the Canucks for sure. Um, he's looked good on the power play. Um, yeah, he's he's looked really good. Is there, uh, yeah, that and, just about uh, wrap it up. I think that does wrap it up. So uh, once again, thank you all for tuning in and listening to the Clappercast. Um, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Clappercast Media and on Twitter at Clappercast. And that's where you're going to find any uh, any updates or through the week insights and any content that we post will be up on there as well. So thank you all for listening and we will see you guys next time.